All right, well, isn't that how it is when we stand at the altar? And we're talking about marriage because marriage is so awful. That's what we're talking about, marriage. Well, the reality is marriage is so difficult. And we are talking about marriage because I think there are a few things that we can talk about to not help you have a great marriage, okay? I'm not trying to give you all the answers. I'm trying to help you in your marriage to renew hope. I talked about that a little bit last week. And if you missed last week's message, uh, you can check it out online this week. We'll have it up there. Uh, we want you to be able to catch that message and kind of put it together with today's as well. We talked about last week connection, how important that is in a relationship. Now, I know that you may not be married, and maybe you want to be married one day, or uh, maybe you want to be remarried one day, or maybe you never, ever want to get married. Don't tune me out tonight. Here's why. Obviously, if you want to get married or you're married, this is good for you. But even if you never want to get married or never get married again, I have found that what we do is... We kind of only learn things that apply to ourselves, right? It's like, well, I'm not married, it's not me, so why don't I listen to this? Instead of considering a bigger picture that you have been sent by God into that workplace, into that extended family, into this neighborhood, and you could be a voice for health and hope to that married person. And that sounds almost odd. Like, why, why, why would I do this? Well, the problems that happen in families that kind of continue on, you could speak hope and health to that where I can't. I don't get to go to work with you. I would love to go to work with you, by the way. You'd have so much fun with me if we went to work together. But I can't go with you to work and offer hope to that marriage, to that person that's complaining or whatever's going on, the hard thing that's happening, but you can. So would you, over this next few weeks, just learn something that maybe you can give some hope to somebody, okay? And if I talk about marriage or your marriage, just kind of replace that with one-day marriage or thinking about the concept of marriage, okay? So what I want to talk about today is something I've seen happen in really all marriages, but something that happens in all marriages is that something happens from that, right, standing at the altar full of hopes and dreams and a lot of smiles, you know, when I do officiate weddings, it's, I mean, I love doing weddings. Everybody's happy, you know, like they're together, they're hopeful, it's amazing. I think of my own wedding and how I cried and all this stuff. It's amazing. I love it. And as the years go by, the happy and the hopeful and the excitement starts changing. Maybe months, weeks, months, years, it starts changing. And what happened with the hope at the beginning, it changes. I actually think what changes isn't just, you know, how much money you have or the problems or the place you're living or the people in your life, the jobs, all that. What changes is something in your heart. And I think that that change that happens over time is a pretty big problem that turns into distance, 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 and even separation. I've kind of said it before that you can still be married, yet really distant. You can still be married. We've been going 40 years strong, but not know each other and be connected. And God doesn't want that for your relationship. So what happens in that? What is one of the dynamics that changes from the hope and the happy and the excitement to the distance to where sometimes does end up in separation or cheating or whatever those things are that we all don't want when we are standing at the altar wanting marriage? Would you open your heart a little bit to hear today, something that I think could help you, okay? Let's read this scripture first, and then we'll kind of go from here, and I'm going to tie this all together, okay? It's from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through uh, 2, 1 and 2, 
And this whole passage, uh, chapter of Ephesians 5, is about family, it's about relationship, it's pretty great, but also kind of hard in some ways to understand. So I'm going to take kind of this first part, and then not next week, but two weeks from now, I'm going to kind of break down a little bit better the whole submit to each other thing and how that all works out in a marriage. Okay, so let's read. This is Paul writing about marriage. Uh, interesting, Paul is single when he's writing this, but Paul says this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Probably in marital counseling, if you're a Christian couple, uh, I know for me, whenever before I've uh, officiated weddings for couples, we talk or whatever, and this will kind of come up, you know. And you read about this maybe in some books, and that the scripture's kind of there, so it's probably a common scripture to many of you, okay. So what happens where this awesome, hopeful, what happens and what changes over the course of that Marriage, well, let me give you an example, and then I'll tell you what it is, what the word is. Um, think of this young couple, uh, man and wife, and she's so nice to him that, you know, he actually didn't have to set an alarm on his phone every morning to go to work. She'll wake him up every single morning with a smile and wake him up to, wake him up to go to work and be on time, right? This happened over and over and over, and then one day, they had a really big fight one evening. So they're fighting and fighting, and they just decided not to talk to each other. Okay, they're just saying a silent treatment to both, and they're not talking at all. And so they go to bed that night not talking. But the husband has to get up actually earlier than he normally does. He has to get up early to catch a flight to go to a work thing, and so he's got to actually be up early. So it's like, well, we're kind of stonewalling each other. We're not talking, so let me just write a little note on a little sticky note. He wrote, please wake me up at 5 a.m. You know? So he goes to bed. And he wakes up and he looks at his clock and looks at his phone and it's, it's 7 a.m. He's late. He missed his flight. He's angry. He's like, then he looks over and he, right now on his bedstand, there's a little post-it note that says, wake up. It's 5 a.m. That, what happens there is a change. The joy of waking him up every morning, the fight that just happened to her, no, I don't think I'm going to do it this time, right? The exhortation that he has that this is what you do. This is what we do. This is us. This is how we handle us. You wake me up in the morning, right? And the rage that comes when he, can't, when he wakes up late and she doesn't do it. What happens is, friends, that the hopes and the dreams and the excitement, it turns into expectation and worse, turns to resentment and ultimately turns into a debt towards each other. Stick with me, okay? I remember reading a man I worked with when I was probably, I don't know, 19 or 20, and, and I remember he was saying that uh, he had been married 30 years, and he was getting a divorce, and well, I wasn't a man of faith or anything, but uh, I asked him, how in the world, man, could you do this after 30 years? Now, again, I'm 19 or 20, I don't know really anything about relationships, you know, and he said, well, I just didn't, I just fell out of love, I didn't really love her the last 10 years of our marriage, and I remember when he said that, I, I thought, one thing, I thought, that doesn't sound quite right to me, but okay, and the second thing I thought was, um, I got to figure out something here. I got to figure that out. How in the world could you be married 20 years and then just go through this in the 30 years and then separate? I, like I couldn't fathom me doing that, but I, and then I recognized there's something here, Nels. And I'm 19, 20. Marriage is years away. And it just struck me that I, I, I've got to think about this. I've got to learn about this. And now I'm... You know, 37, so many years later, I've learned some things about why I think 
part where that happened. I wish I could go talk to him back those years ago with what I know now. I think what happened is, uh, you can go back. What happened is the hopes, the excitement, it turned to expectation. See, when you get married and you're standing the altar like we saw in that video, you kind of have these hopes and dreams, right? And some of those are spoken, but really some of those aren't spoken, right? In your mind, you're thinking maybe kids stuff. You think, oh, you know, we're going to have two kids. And then the other spouse think, oh, no, we're going to have four kids, and two of them need to be twins, okay? You know, oh, oh, we're going to save and save and save. I hate debt. We don't want to get into debt. We're going to save and save, and we're going to quit early so we don't got to work because we have so much cash in the bank. And the other person's thinking, we're going to take risk. you got to spend money to make money, Right? We have these, uh, these opposite things going, but we, we have these hopes for what marriage could be. Oh, we're going to hang out together. We're going to be up late um, every single night talking and connecting, and it's going to be so awesome. And the other person thinking, no, 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 no. I need every other Friday night for me and my friends. I need to go out every other Friday night. I need to have my time. This is not what we're doing. I, this is what I think. But you'll be there when I need you. Or, hey, we're going to hang out with your friends. Your friends are going to be my friends. Or, my friends are not going to be your friends. Okay, we can keep these things separate, right? We have all these things that we think about are going to make us happy. These hopes and these dreams from when we're at the altar about to say, I do. And then something happens to where those hopes and dreams, they turn into expectations. And what we do is we take these hopes and dreams. Essentially what we do over over months, weeks, months, and years, we hand them to our spouse and we say, here's my hopes and dreams And we expect them now to take on the task and the role of our hopes and our dreams. We take all these hopes and dreams that are mine, that came from my family of origin, that came from the TV shows I watch, right? That came from my friends' marriages that didn't seem happy, right? We hand it to them, but on their side, they take those as expectations, that they now are going to be the ones to fulfill those for you, right? We find this in conflict when this starts happening. Wait a second. Why didn't you do this? You always do this. You always wake me up in the morning for work and you didn't do it this time, right? That's now an expectation. You're not, you don't have gratitude over that. It turns into, wait a second, you're always supposed to make me feel secure. So when you stop doing that, that's a problem, right? It turns into an actual debt, so instead of being full of gratitude and love and appreciation that this person even wanted to be married to you, that turns into, you owe me. It turns into, I need you to do this. It turns into, you have to, otherwise I won't fill in the blank. These expectations, they turn into debt. You owe me. And in a marriage relationship, when it turns into a debt, there's no room for gratitude. There's no room for that connection. It's kind of like when you pay your mortgage every month. The bank doesn't throw you a party, okay? You're supposed to do that, okay? This goes on for years, and your spouse just starts, does these things, and you just expected it. I, I mean, I just expect you to do these things. This is what my, what I thought marriage is. And so, There's no gratitude there. There's only a problem when you stop doing it or it doesn't happen in your timeline. We get married and we have all these thoughts when we first say, okay, let's get married, right? And 10 years later, man, this thing is still not happening. I need this to happen. It actually turns into a debt. 
And now you've just changed this relationship to a transaction. Wait a second. Uh, I'm doing 51% and you're doing 49%. That's not okay. Marriage is 50-50, right? I want to take that a step further. That creates a situation of dissatisfaction. That creates a situation of unhappiness. That creates a situation of not joy, but frustration, okay? This grows in our hearts. It creates distance. And it would almost start to make sense that you guys shouldn't be together. But some couples, they want to work through this somehow. So they'll go through some of the common ways to do that. One is one spouse will try to control. Like you're going to do this or there's going to be punishment in a way, right? Or I'm not going to talk to you if you don't do this, right? We control or we try to have the situation where I'm going to make this happen, right? We're going to make you do this. We may go into the situation where well, what works for our marriage is we're going to compromise. So nobody gets all of what they want, okay? But you get some of what you want, everybody's happy, right? You ever had that conversation with yourself? Okay, cool, I'm not getting everything I want, but I'm getting something. So we compromise, marriage is 50-50, you got some, I got some, deal, this is working. That's still an expectation debt situation happening. Or maybe it turns into conformity. It turns into, I'm just going to become the person this person says I should be. Maybe it turns into that argument where it's convincing. And typically what happens, if you're not aware, typically what happens when you have a fight with your spouse, the one who argues the best wins, right? I've seen this in marriages where a real strong dominant personality, okay, overpowers and argues and is right. And just this other person that can't seem to get the words together, but no, something's wrong, but I can't really argue with it. So I guess you're right because you put me in a corner and you're right. And so it turns into I've convinced you. And that is not what I believe God intended for your marriage. Compromise sounds like a good idea, right? Controlling kind of does too. You kind of get what you want. The convincing thing sounds like a great idea too because you put the work in to argue. You read some books and stuff and articles and saw somebody post something, and, right? And I, and I got this, right? Here's what happens. You got to hear this. Those paths, which I believe are settling in your marriage, okay, you may be getting things that you'd like. Okay, we agreed you cook. We agreed you go to work. You agreed you clean. We agreed you do this. Okay, I'm going to handle the money because you're crazy. I will do that. Okay, right. So you start saying, oh, I'm getting what I want. But here's what happens, and you've got to grasp this. I hope you hear this from me tonight. Even when you get what you want in those ways, you will not be happy. You will not have the closeness and the connection you so crave out of another human being. I talked about this last week that when Adam was alone, he brings Eve into, this, into the picture. And the problem wasn't we're not getting what we want. The problem was Adam was just alone. And I, made, you know, I told you I saw this thing on Facebook a couple weeks ago saying that God's plan for marriage was just two naked people working in the garden. But the point was connection. You just want somebody with you. You don't want somebody even to take away all your problems. You can have the if your thing is the money thing and you just wish your spouse was better with money, listen, they could be perfect with money. They can know the best investments. They can be the saver. They can be all these things that you wish they were. And, and I'm telling you, you still will not be satisfied because those things deeply do not satisfy you. Okay? 
turns into a situation where the gratitude's gone, the joy's gone, and the, this transactional thing happens, and you will be exhausted. As I'm preparing this sermon, this message, uh, in this moment, I just felt like I need to ask you just a direct question, you know. Would you take a moment, I mean, I know we're so busy in life, but would you just take a moment right now to think about what you felt, hopes, dreams, the smile, the happiness, the day you got married when you're at that altar. Would you take a second and just think about that for a second? The hope you felt. I'm talking feeling, okay? If you're not married right now and you're thinking of marriage, I want you to think about the hope, the smile that comes to your face when you think about finding that Mr. or Mrs. someone for you to be with forever. I want you to, if you're not married, to think about the idea of being together with someone and someone being on your team and together through life. I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to feel that if you're married right now. I don't care how many years ago it was, okay? I want you to feel that. That right there, that hope, that joy, that, that just uplifting feeling. I mean, I get a smile on my face when I think about my wife and I's wedding, you know? I just like, I love that thought, you know. And I ask myself this question, where am I at right now? The resentment, the expectation when she missed the mark, eh, that annoyed me, that pressured me. When maybe right now you're thinking, I'm so tired of being the one to fill in the blank. I'm so tired of giving 51%. I'm so tired of having always to take care of you. Nobody else can help me with this. Why can't you help more? I'm so tired to be the one that has to work. I'm so fill in the blank. These things creep in. I'm so tired of having to go to your house for Christmas, your parents' house for Christmas. I do not like your folks cooking. I don't want to be there, right? Over and over and over. And none of those things were in your heart when you said I do. It's not just ignorance and being naive. It's not that. I used to think it was that. It's not that. Some debt has crept in. And you look to this other person instead of for the connection piece full of hope, you look to that person to meet that debt. Essentially, you owe me. The dissatisfaction in your marriage right now, sure it has something to do with those practical things like you never help around the house or you never do this or you're always messing with money or all these different things. Would you hear me? All that stuff could be happening and get what you want and you still would be craving something more out of your marriage. So I want to give you a solution tonight. I want to give you something that I don't care what stage of marriage you may be in, that this will give you some hope, okay? I want to help you for that person who is not married that wants to be married one day, okay? I hope that I give you some realistic expectation, but I want to help you with something that I think will, you will carry into that relationship that will be a good thing for you, okay? Let's go to this next slide. Let's read uh, chapter 5, verse 25, okay? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, we'll talk a little more about that in two, two, two Sundays, but let's go to the next slide here. I want you to, to grasp this, okay? God's love for you canceled your debt to him and everybody else's debt to you. God's love for you, canceled your debt to him and everybody else's debt to you. 
in the concept of this biblical marriage, you cannot have marriage or a healthy marriage without the love of God. And so as Paul kind of unfolds this argument, this is the beginning. Verse 2, what I said earlier, now verse 25, this is like the first thing. You can go to the next point here. <clears throat> I lost my clickers, that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> first, I'll put all this up here for you. But anyway, first is Jesus loving you first. Okay? Like that is so incredible that you did nothing and didn't deserve it. This love is so powerful that you cannot have a, again, biblical godly marriage, what I think ultimately is healthy marriage, without this peace. Because that person will never always meet up. They will never be perfect. They'll always fall short. But in your relationship with God, he loved you so much that he overlooked everything. And this fuels your ability to overlook a something from him or her. Do you hear me today? Like, this is the first thing. It's foundational. And secondly, you have to grasp this idea that God gave you what you needed at the cross. I need like eight hours sleep right now. That's what I need right now, okay? I need some more money. I need some Oreos. I'm doing this thing. I'll confess I'm doing this thing this, month, this year. No sugar for me in 2019. That's crazy. Like, I, I need that, right? I, I need a friend to like me. I, I need these, these things. Everything I need happened at the cross in his love. When we get frustrated with our spouse that you're not X, Y, Z, or you're not meeting your, your debt of what you should be, what I carried into my marriage from TV, from my family of origin to the neighbors or whatever I think I, this needs to be, all those things, essentially what you're saying is there's something that's lacking there that I need, and ultimately, God, you didn't give it to me. I actually don't have any conflict with my wife that does not have God a part of it. And neither do you. And if you're thinking about marriage one day, neither will you. Because when we feel like we're not getting what we need, you're not meeting my needs, I'm out of this thing, right? Ultimately, we're saying God, who's all powerful and all sovereign, right? The most powerful, has all these abilities. God, you didn't give it to me. You're the one that could have done this, God, and you didn't give it to me. But there's healing in knowing that what I ultimately really need it's just to know that no matter how evil or bad or awful I may be, that you loved me and you call me good and you delight in me and you care about me and, and giving your son for me was worth it in your eyes. So here's what happy couples, really happy couples know, is that your spouse owes you nothing. You're like, well, wait a second. No, no, she owes me. He owes me to stay with me in this marriage. Actually, no. They don't owe you that. Happy couples know that your spouse owes you nothing, but you want to give them everything. That seems so unfair to me. It really does. 
But it's because this incredible, amazing love of Christ that works in my heart. That's truly amazing and transformative. That it's so good. That, I, that I've been loved so well by him. That I want to love my spouse like beyond belief. That I don't want to have any debt. That I don't feel like they owe me anything. And I am gra- I'm gracious for every single thing in this marriage. When's the last time, if you are married, when's the last time you said thank you for not leaving? Because I know me. I see what you've been putting up with. <laughs> thank you for saying yes today. It's Valentine's month, right? Go to the car, uh, Fred Meyer, wherever, and get a cheesy card that says you're my forever. And I, I still do and all these different things, right? Think about that like in June, right? September, right? Like, When's the last time you said to your spouse, thank you? Because most of us in this room just expect our spouse to stay with us. Again, you owe that to me. I've done this. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. All these different things. Do you see that, church? That right there (laughs) will keep you full of resent. Your spouse owes you nothing. Because he loved me so greatly, and I want to give my wife everything. And I'll be honest, I don't, okay? <laughs> right? This is the struggle I face every single day being a married guy, right? I mean, I just struggle with this. I'm tired, right? I want to pretend like I don't hear the babies crying, you know? I don't want to cook. I don't want to do anything else. I feel like I'm doing 51%. So, you know, this, this, is, the, this is the rub of life and marriage, right? But it's in this where I discover that, man, she owes me nothing. But I, I want to give her everything. I do not want to pay my mortgage every month. Gosh, I don't want to do that, right? I owe it, though, so I do, right? And so the mortgage company isn't very, the bank isn't very glad when I pay it, right? It's like, whatever you owe me to, otherwise you're going to throw me in jail, right? But when I love my wife or I give her things because I want it, truly want it, it's really the thing that brings us together. What does this look like, um, in a day-to-day situation, okay? So let's go to this next slide here. You can put, just put them all up, Derek, thanks. This is a very practical one, this very first one. Consider God's love before you consider your spouse's love. Let's face it, when it comes to they're not doing this or that, you feel like you're not getting loved or what you owe, you know, you, man, you don't love me enough. Actually, these other couples, they do all these things for their wife. They do all these things for their husband. You don't do any of that stuff. In the heat of the moment, you may even say that in an argument. Not wise, but you may say that in an argument. Here's the thing. Before you get into it, okay, before you have that comment about what their lack of love is towards you, the lack of whatever they should be doing, you need to have a conversation with Jesus. This is so hard for me because I just am responsive, right? But to actually say, Jesus, you love me, you love me, you love me, you love me, you love me. You found me when I didn't know you. You found me when I was a mess. You found me and grew me and changed me and healed me. Jesus, you love me, you love me, you love me. I got to talk about the dishes here in a second, but you love me, you love me, you love me. I got to talk about money here. You love me, you love me, you love me. I got to talk about how this thing makes me angry that he or she does all the time, but you love me, you love me, you love me. Before you have that conversation, before you hit send on that text, okay? We fight over text so much, right? Before you do that, 
You love me, you love me, you love me. While I was yet a sinner, you love me, you care about me. For some reason, you love me, you love me, you love me before you get into it. That's why it's really hard to, for me to consider a marriage without Christ because for me, it's like if that wasn't there, man, you better believe it, it better be 50 and 50, right? And here's the last thing, or sorry, the second you evaluate your marriage by how much you give, not by how much your spouse gives. Typically, when you, someone asks you, how's your marriage going, you don't think about yourself, you think about that person. You think, oh, yeah, well, it's all right, I'm going to this or that, i got to deal with this or that, or if, this was, if, she, if he or she was like this, I wouldn't have to deal with this, right? We always go to the other person first. Instead of considering, wait a second, how's my marriage? How's my giving? How's my giving? How's my serving? How's my loving? Am I loving like Christ does? Is that... Affected my heart to where I'm giving freely, right? And these are daily things. I wish I could just get this done the first day of marriage and just be done with it. But I found this is a daily thing. And here's why the last one there is that this is a heart issue, friends. Here's why I know it's a heart issue. I could sit you and your wife down, uh, you and your husband down with me and my wife. We can talk about some things that we both get annoyed with or fresh with in our marriage. And the things that frustrate me are not the things that frustrate you. Things that frustrate my wife are not the things that frustrate yours, right? And so what we find is that it's not, we want to make it this like objective thing of like, no, no, this is what husbands and parents are supposed to do. And we argue it. But really, it's kind of subjective because it's a heart issue. And it comes down to what I expect you to pay, expect you to fulfill. What this really is is a heart issue. And so a healthy marriage, what happy couples really know is you've got to tend your own field first. You've got to tend this heart. Because I have found that resentment will creep in, right? I have found that the debt thing happens. Really, not in any relationship, but especially in marriage, right? And so I found this to be true. The marriage isn't 50-50. Marriage is 100 and whatever that person gives. If I'm tending my heart, I need to be in a place to grow, to get the coaching, to get the love and support, the time to reflect in Scripture and His love, to be 100% giving. So hard. But this is the path for joy. It's the path for lifelong connection. It's the path for the kind of marriage you deeply desired on that first day and that feeling that you want to have of a great marriage. Would you stand with me? This is kind of heavy, I know. But it's hopeful too because I just told you essentially you don't have to change your spouse to have a great marriage. Maybe that's what you've been putting it on. Maybe that's what you argue about. All the arguments are about. I really believe that his love is first. That you may have to do something like right in this moment without even talking to your spouse. As we go through these last few songs, this holy moment. That don't bump your spouse and elbow him or her and say, yeah, this is about you. He's talking to you. No, I'm talking to you. If you want to get married one day, you may need to make a commitment to God today to say this, God, I am willing to give 100%. If you want to get remarried one day, you may have to say, God, I didn't give 100%. All these things happen, whatever. But, but God, if I do this again, Lord, I will tend my heart and be careful that this other person owes me nothing, and yet I want to give everything. This is a real holy moment, church, because there is a marriage that is in your world that's struggling right now. 
maybe a coworker's marriage, a neighbor, you know, your extended family member calls and says something going on and you don't even know what to say. It could be hope-filled in this moment to say, listen, Jesus loves you so much. That's your deepest need that he's meeting. And you can experience a happy marriage, but because of the love of Christ, and that has got to work in your heart. Would you try Jesus, right? See, that's how you can actually witness about the cross. That's the gospel, and that's why, we'll talk about this in a couple of sermons, but the idea of a marriage is the imagery of Christ and us, his incredible love for us, that he doesn't get much back in return from us, but he loves us so much. So tonight, church, this is a moment where your heart can be tended to by God right now. I've lost count how many billions of times I've prayed, Jesus, help my heart. Jesus, would you help my heart? Jesus, would you help my heart? Maybe you need to say that tonight. Jesus, would you help my heart? I don't see this wonderful person that you've given me. I just see this person who's making me angry. Give me what I think I deserve, what I need. Like God could heal your marriage right now. Do you, do you get that? He can actually heal your marriage right now. For those of you that are single and want to get married, God could set your heart right now to have a lot less heartache than some of us in this room have had in our marriage. Like you could get this early on. Do you get it? You could catch this in the first year of your marriage instead of the 10th or the 20th or the 40th. This is a vision, church, for your marriage. Jesus, as we enter into this really holy moment of seeing you and seeing ourselves, Lord, we want hope to fill our hearts, not because of how I can fix or how I can make my heart right, but because I can look to you to heal every debt that I make someone else pay. Lord, we believe in the power of your gospel that loving us was enough. And would you heal my bitter heart now? And Father, I also pray for the marriages that are connected to people in this room. Would our people be a voice of hope and help in you, in your love to all the hurting and 